Welcome to Stories from the First Watch. This is both a solo game and an experiment in storytelling. The story and the character's actions will unfold upon the roll of the dice. Once the game starts, nothing is predetermined. The dice are in control. In the first episode of Stories from the First Watch, we were introduced to the town of Forlond and the four protagonists, Kilia, the rogue, a fugitive from the town watch, Almanda, the fighter, double-crossed by his shady employer, Narvi, the dwarven cleric and envoy to the town's ruler, and Mara, the mage, sent on an errand by her tutor. All four made their way to the Saint and Ogre Inn, run by Nella, an associate of the Greyfellows Thieves' Guild. There, Mara's college nemesis, Kristen, turned up with a gang of drunken friends and insulted Mara, and unluckily for them, Narvi came to her defence. After punishing Kristen for his arrogance, Narvi, Mara and Elmanda were ushered into a hiding place in the cellars by Nella, along with Kilia, who had been lying low in the inn. Guards came to investigate, but did not manage to find the four of them. The episode ended with Nella letting them out, but not before demanding a big favour in return. In this episode, we will find out just what that favour is. Behind the Scenes so the four player characters, they're not quite a party yet, are shortly going to find out what Nella wants them to do. For this I'm going to use the Mythic GM emulator. There are a number of plot threads that we've already established. These might develop further as we get deeper into the action. Or they might not turn up again. It's all down to the dice. The threads are... Killia's failure to become a grey fellow. Almanda's betrayal at the hands of his mysterious employer. The political tension between Forland and the Copper Dwarves, which may yet get worse. And Mara's ongoing run-ins with Kristen, who happens to be Lord Merrick's nephew. For the moment, I'll keep these in hand. Now, I'm going to focus on Nella's mission. We know that the Greyfellow sent Kilia to the Saint and Ogre, we can therefore assume that Nella is an associate of theirs. So is the mission related to the Greyfellow's business? Let's use the GM emulator. This has the fate chart, which is a useful oracle for seeing how likely something is to happen. I will ask the fate chart a question, and then roll a d100. Comparing my roll to a target number from 1 to 100, which is determined both by how likely I think it is for the answer to be positive, and also by how in control of events the player characters are, we can confirm the answer to be either yes or no. Let's test this out. I'm going to ask the fate chart whether Nella's mission will be related to the Greyfellows. 
We know that Nell is an associate of the thieves, so I'm going to deem a yes answer to be somewhat likely. At the moment, the players are roughly in control of events, now that the heat from the town guards has died down, so the fate chart tells me I will need a roll of 65 or under. Let's roll. 54. So that's a yes. Nella wants the party to do something that will benefit the Greyfellows. But before we get onto that, there's something else I want to find out. We know that Kilia is involved with the Greyfellows, and it's obvious that Mara and Navi are not. But what about Elmanda? He knew to find safety at the inn, and he has been involved in the theft of a valuable horse. I get the feeling, though, that the events of the livery stable were the actions of another shady organisation. Given how angry the thief was at Kilia for targeting a well-known merchant, would the Greyfellows risk the wrath of a lord by stealing his horse? I'm going to say that's unlikely, but let's see. I've rolled a 61. Okay, so Armanda isn't a member of the Greyfellows, but is involved in other murky business. Maybe this explains why he doesn't recognise that the serving girl at the inn is an apprentice thief. It also means that he knows Nella another way. Were they lovers at some point? Again, I think it's unlikely, but let's roll. 80. No, they were not lovers. I'm going to say that they were childhood friends who still look out for each other. Okay, so what is Nella going to ask the four characters to do? I can think of four options. 1. She wants them to escort a Thieves Guild member to a safe house. 2. She has given them an important item to courier to a Guild member in another town. 3. She wants them to deliver a message to a contact about current events in Forlond. 4. The party needs to collect something, or someone, important, and bring it back to Nella. I'll roll a straight d4, and we'll see what happens. That's a 4. Okay then. Nella put out the lights at the inn, and lit a hooded lantern, before leading the four fugitives into a small room behind the bar. The lantern cast a low light across the party as Nella prepared a small plate of bread and cheese for them each. Myra was shaking in fear. She was over an hour late for the college curfew, and she kept imagining Gamma Valena's disappointed expression. Narvi sat morosely, chewing over the events of the past few hours. When he was told that the boy he hit was a relative of Lord Merrick, he knew this could have serious consequences. Some peace envoy he would be if he started a serious conflict. Both Kilia and Elmanda, meanwhile, were itching to get out of town. They'd crossed the town guards, who were known to have long memories. Kilia was also keen to get back into the Thieves' Guild's good books, and three days of acting as a serving girl had already left her thoroughly bored. Once they had finished eating, Nella told them of her plan. The Greyfellows have a contact who lives in the Shadow Woods. His name is Elwyn. Mara gasped. Nella nodded at her, then continued. Yes, my dear. He's the herbalist. And I wasn't quite honest with you earlier. The reason he's missing is because he's been captured by bandits who we think are working for a rival guild of thieves that's just trying to muscle in on our patch. Nella explained that Elwyn was a spy for the Greyfellows. He travelled the towns posing as a herbalist in order to pick up juicy gossip. Which merchants were boasting of their wealth, 
where certain convoys of goods were travelling, and what foolish nobles could be tricked into gambling away their fortunes on rigged investments. He had been heading up to the village of Hollowhill with his accomplice when their wagon was attacked. Elwyn had been captured, although his accomplice escaped and made his way back to Forlond. Well then, said Nana, this is where you come in. She went on to explain that the Greyfellows could not risk their guild members in a rescue mission, as they would be severely weakened if any were captured or killed. However, if the party would do them this favour and rescue Elwyn, they would be well rewarded, and the Greyfellows would also place them under their protection, keeping Forlon's guardsmen at bay. We do not like this, grumbled Navi. I am a peace envoy and an acolyte of Gazan. I should not be skulking around with vagabonds in the woods. Seems to me you don't have much choice, returned Ormanda. What of you punching his lordship's nephew? It's a good thing he wasn't present when you met old Merrick, or you'd already be on a wanted poster. He turned to Nella. Well, it's as good enough as we're going to get. Will we have any help from the grey fellas? Yes, interrupted Killia, who had been quiet until now. I'm a grey fellow, well, almost. I'm not official, but they've trained me well, and I can look after myself. Then why are you hiding here disguised as a kitchen maid? Elmanda demanded. Kilia said nothing, sulking. More to the point, said Armanda. What about you? He turned to Mara. What can you offer us, Lady Conjurer? I, Mara stammered. I know a few things. I'm a quick learner and I have my spellbook. And like Master Dwar- Navi, I don't want to hang around for Kristen to have his revenge. Good, said Nella. That is settled then. You'll have to leave before dawn. This part of town will be crawling with guards soon. Get back here with Edwin, and we'll do what we can to reward you. If you don't rescue him, you may as well not come back at all. Over the next couple of hours, the party were given supplies and equipment for the mission ahead. Then, Nella took them back down to the cellar. She tapped on a section of wall, which slid back to reveal a long, narrow passageway. After a few minutes walking through the winding passage, the party eventually came up in another building entirely. Opening the door quietly, they found themselves on the ground floor of an old mill, just outside the town walls. Nella bade them farewell, and the four of them left Forlond as quickly and as quietly as they could, taking the road up to Hollow Hill. Behind the Scenes so the party has their mission, and now we shall see what they have to help them. Nella has given them directions to Hollowhill through the Shadow Wood, and told them of Elwyn's last known location. She doesn't know where the bandits, if they do exist, are based, other than they may be able to find out in the village, which is three days walk from Forlond. So what do they have to defend themselves with? Narvi, as a dwarf, practically lives in his armour, he wears high-quality chainmail under his cloak, which gives him an armour class of 15. However, because of his poor dexterity score, he actually has a penalty on this, bringing it down to 14. He also holds a traditional dwarven warhammer, which deals 1d6 points of damage. He currently has 6 hit points, which is decent, but everybody at first level is vulnerable. As a novice cleric, he does not yet have any spells. Elmanda already holds a short sword and a cudgel. 
which deal 1d6 and 1d4 points of damage respectively. He wears leather armour, giving him an armour class of 13, and he has a plus 2 bonus to melee attacks. He has 8 hit points at first level. Kilia also wears leather armour, and has a plus 2 for her dexterity bonus, giving her an armour class of 15. Nella has gifted her a dagger for 1d4 points of damage, and a short bow with a quill of 12 arrows, which deal 1d6 points damage each. She has a plus 3 bonus for ranged attacks. Kilia has 4 hit points. Mara is the most vulnerable. As a mage, she wears no armour, giving her a standard armour class of only 11. I have therefore decided that her first spell will be shield, which will hopefully protect her from the worst of any attacks. She also has the spell Read Magic as standard, which will give her a good chance of reading a spell scroll or book if she finds one. Nella has also gifted her a dagger, which she hopes she will never have to use. She also has only 4 hit points. The party also has other clothing, equipment, rations for 5 mils each, and a small amount of money. I will go into these in more detail when necessary. Importantly, Nella has also provided the party with two glass vials. These each contain a potion of healing, and these will undoubtedly come in very handy to the party at this early stage. Just a note on experience points, I'm not a fan of using them for determining character level ups. They encourage PCs to actively look out for fights, which especially at lower level is not always a good idea. So I'm going to use a method used in both the Tale of the Manticore and Legend of the Bones podcasts, which is to level up characters after they survive a certain amount of episodes. I'm taking this episode as episode 1. Characters level ups will vary depending on their class. I'm going to say fighters and mages level up after 10 episodes, clerics after 9, and thieves after 8. This roughly reflects the amount of experience points that each class would normally take to level up in basic fantasy. Let's rejoin the party as they make their way from Forlond and into the unknown. Day 1, early morning. The party travelled on the road in silence for a couple of hours, keeping their heads down and making as much distance between themselves and Fallen as possible as they travelled uphill. When dawn broke, they turned and looked back at the town, squatting like a great black beetle in the valley below. They could see no sign that they were being followed, and their mood began to lighten. Once this little favour is over and done with, I must return to Shazenbund as soon as possible, fretted Navi. My Lord Arkor will soon realise my absence, and may consider it to be an act of aggression on behalf of the Mandlings. Don't forget I'm coming with you, said Armanda. I can charm the pants off your little lord, get both sides talking again, and make myself a nice little pile of gold whilst I'm at it. Behind him, Kilia rolled her eyes. Who are you anyway, she said. You know Nella, and you seem like a rascal, but you're far too loud and arrogant to be a grey fella. Yes, I don't hold for skulking in dark corners, said Armanda. My skills are a bit more specialist, shall we say. I was born in Nordkirk, but grew up with Nella in Forlond. Thick as thieves we were, if you pardon the expression. She went her way, but I fancied myself as an honourable soldier of the realm, and joined the garrison at Jankeen, way down south. Then I realised being a soldier is all a crock of shit. So I fell in with a certain crowd, and long story short, 
took something I shouldn't have on the promise of riches from someone I stupidly trusted. He spat. Won't be making that mistake again. He looked at her. What's your story? I'm an orphan, Kilia said, surprisingly cheerfully. My mother and father died before I was born. Your mother... Amanda started, but decided against it. Yep, I was passed around the orphanages, then one day I was caught stealing an apple from a fruit stall. The owner called the guards, and just when he was distracted by a man in a grey hood, I got away. The grey man caught up with me and told me about the Thieves Guild, how they were always looking for fresh blood, people who wouldn't be missed by anyone. The grey fellows took me in, treated me better than I'd ever been, and taught me everything I know. I'm going to be one soon, just you wait, she said with a hint of defiance. Narvi looked troubled by this, and instead turned his attention to Mara. And what about you, child, he said. You are a sorceress, are you not? Mara smiled. Not quite, I'm also training. I'm a student at Forlon's College of Magic. I am from the Kingdom of Tivoli. They, we have a troubled history of the provinces. We are not popular here. I know the feeling, said the dwarf gruffly. My parents are fisherfolk there, said Mara. They have three sons, the moon's in their sky, she added bitterly. They didn't know what to do with me. I've always been interested in magic, conjuring tricks and book learning and so on. I thought it might be a good path for me. I'm not cut out for a life of gutting herring. Well, said Armanda, it's safe to say that if it wasn't for that bloody pub, we'd never all have met. Let's go and find this missing weed picker and get on with our lives. Behind the scenes. Okay, so the party is getting to know each other on the long journey out of Forland. Let's zoom out a bit. We've been introduced to various parts of the town of Forland, but we shall explore a bit further. The village of Hollowhill is three days walking north of Forland, lying in the foothills of the Great Copperhill Range, roughly half the distance between the town and the Dwarven Hall of Shazenbund. Hollowhill lies in a shallow bowl of land, with hills rising up all around it. A couple of miles to the south is the Shadowwood, a large forest which provides the village with its logging industry. Despite lying in a fairly civilised part of the realm, the Shadowwood is still largely untamed, and home to various wild and evil things. The party is still some way from there though, and they are currently walking through hilly grassland. They have travelled for much of the day, and it is coming now to the early evening. I'm going to roll on the grassland encounter table from the roll and play toolkit. A four. Interesting. The players come across what looks like a large farmhouse lying just off the road. This is quite a sparsely populated area, so I'm going to ask the GM emulator, is this ruined? I'll say it's 50-50. 58. No, it looks like it's in good condition. Therefore, is it occupied? 46. Yes, it is. Are the inhabitants friendly? Uh oh, 88. That means they are unfriendly, plus I have rolled a double, which means a random event takes place. I'll roll in the event table again. That's a 1, attainment, and 5, inside. Attainment inside. Okay, this suggests to me that there is something in the farmhouse that will help the party achieve their goal. 
but we've established that something unfriendly is guarding it. I'm going to roll on the basic roleplay Wilderness Encounters table to see what is facing the party. Well, okay then. Day 1, early evening. Party status. Kilia, 4 hit points. Almanda, 8 hit points. Navi, 6 hit points. Mara, 4 hit points. Mara has the spells Read Read Magic magic and and shield. Shield. The day passed without incident, and the evening shadows were starting to lengthen. This road was ordinarily a busy trade route between Forland and the Copper Hills, but since the trade dispute, the stream of wagons and carts had reduced to a trickle, and the party saw no other travellers for most of the day. Talk had turned to finding a place to camp for the evening, when Elmanda suddenly stopped. There's a building up there, about a mile off, he said. Looks like it might be a farmhouse. Maybe we can charm an old pigman into giving us a bed in the barn. Narvi was dubious. I do not like the idea of playing with animals. Really? said Almanda. That's not what I've heard about dwarves. Kilia snickered despite herself. Mara, though, was too wrapped up in her worries. This was the longest she had been out of the college since she arrived, and a route march through the wilderness had not reduced her anxiety. It suits me, said Kilia. I've slept in far worse places, and camping out in the open will be an invitation for any sneaky sod to rob us, or to turn us in. As the party got closer to the house, Mara sensed something was wrong. The building was large and sturdy, with stone lower walls and a wooden upper floor. It looked in good condition, but there was no sign of life. The chimney didn't smoke, and the yard was empty of workers or animals. This does not feel normal, Mara said. You may be right, said Kilia, but the chance of a warm bed is too good to pass up. She strode to the front door and knocked sharply. If anything, the silence grew more conspicuous. Kilia then put her ears to the door. She heard muffled noises, urgent and pleading. Someone's in there, she whispered. They sound like they're in trouble. Let's get out of here, said Armanda. We have enough to worry about. But what if someone's in danger? said Mara. Rather them than us. No, said Narvi. Gozan teaches us that we do not abandon those in peril. He stepped forward and tried the door handle. It was locked. Stop it, hissed Amanda. You... Narvi charged the door. His bulk forced the lock open and almost ripped the door off its hinges. He strode through. Reluctantly, the others followed. Inside, the building looked rather different. It was a mess. Broken furniture, rags and animal bones were strewn across the floor. The building was laid out in an L-shape. Directly ahead of them was a stack of barrels and boxes, with a ladder to the side leading up to a mezzanine floor with a wooden barrier around its edges. To the left, at the end of the room, was a raised platform, on which was laid a straw-stuffed mattress. On the mattress lay an elderly man with a grizzled beard and lank grey hair. He was bound and gagged. He started moaning loudly and urgently when he saw them. Kilia recognised the sound she had heard through the door. We must help him, said Mara. Hells, said Amanda. I think this is a... 
An arrow whistled past his face and just over the top of Nami's head, embedding itself with a jarring thud in the doorframe. There was a series of demonic hisses and shrieks, and three sinewy green-skinned figures leapt agilely over the barrels. Their faces were pointed, with large bat-like ears, hooked noses, and sparse, wiry hair. Goblins. Two carried serrated daggers, whilst a third held a stubby axe. They cackled and whooped, then rushed the party. Entering combat. This will be the first combat of stories from the first watch. The party has fallen into the trap of a gang of goblins, who I rolled up on the wilderness encounter table. There are four of them, the three hiding behind the barrels armed with daggers and an axe, and a fourth up on the mezzanine floor armed with a short bow. The three below wear leather armour, the sniper is unarmoured but is hiding behind cover. As you may have gathered, I rolled a wisdom check for each character to see if they were surprised. Unfortunately, they all were. The shock of seeing the bound man and their relative inexperience has cost them. The goblins will get a free attack. Given the party's low level, this could prove deadly. Let's see what happens. Round 1. The goblins get surprise and can attack the party without a reply. The goblin on the mezzanine floor takes aim at Na'vi, who is in the lead. It rolls a 12, which misses, and the arrow sails harmlessly past. One of the dagger-wielding goblins rushes the dwarf. It swings out with her dagger, only rolling an 8, so the blade bounces off the dwarf's armour. The other goblins, including the one holding the axe, rush Elmanda. They lash out, rolling a 7 and a 6. Both miss. Well, the party was very lucky this time, and the goblins have wasted their surprise. I'll roll initiative for round two. I have rolled initiative for the individual party members and each of the goblins. The first to go is Mara. She immediately casts shield over herself. Next is Kilia. She spots the danger posed by the goblin upstairs and strings her own short bow, firing at it. It is behind cover, but even with that penalty she scores 16, which hits it for three points of damage. The goblin takes an arrow deep in its shoulder, which causes it to scream in pain. Next up is Na'vi. He swings out at one of the goblins in front of him with his warhammer, needing a 14 to hit. He rolls a 5, so misses. The goblin immediately fights back, slashing at Na'vi with a serrated dagger. It rolls 18. That's a hit for 2 points of damage. The dagger slices into Na'vi's arm. Next is Almanda. He takes a swing at the axe-wielding goblin, but rolls a 10, which misses. The other goblin facing him stabs out, but a 12 also fails to connect. The goblin with the axe lunges at Almanda too, but an 11 means he dodges at the last minute, and it crashes on the floor. Finally, the injured goblin sniper fires back at Kilia. 9. The injury has obviously affected its aim. An inconclusive round, with only Na'vi and one goblin taking damage. Round 3. The axe-wielding goblin again lashes its weapon at Almanda, but a 12 just misses. Na'vi swings his hammer again at his assailant, but again with a 4 he misses. The goblin sniper takes aim at Kilia, but again with a 9 its aim is shaky and the arrow sails wide. Kilia aims to shoot right back. Oh no, natural one, disaster. 
I'm going to rule that Kilia's bowstring snaps and she cannot use the weapon for the remainder of the conflict. Narvi's assailant screeches and lunges at the dwarf again, but this time its dagger does not strike home. Elmanda's dagger wielding opponent attacks next. 17! It takes advantage of him overbalancing slightly and cuts into his side for two points of damage. Mara's next. Still shielded, she moves away from the combat and over to the bound prisoner, intending to untie his ropes. Enraged with pain, Elmanda takes a swing at the axe-wielding goblin. Natural 20! This is a mighty hit. The sword bites deep into the goblin's neck and severs its head. One goblin down. <laughs> round 4. That last round went better for the party. They now have the numerical advantage. Kilia, now Bolas, draws her own dagger and sneaks up behind the goblin fighting Na'vi. This sneak attack gives her a plus 4 bonus. 22! So that's a hit with double damage. Rolling twice. 5 damage. The goblin is stabbed in the back and is badly wounded. Na'vi takes advantage of the goblin's agony and rolls a 15. His warhammer crushes its skull and the stricken creature falls to the ground, dead. The remaining goblin fighting Armanda, fearing for its life, stabs forward. 15 hits for... Oof, 4 points of damage. Armanda has been badly wounded, blood dripping from his thigh. The goblin upstairs shoulders his weapon and rushes downstairs, unsure whether to attack or flee. Mara rolls a dexterity check to try and untie the bonds, but fails. Now that half the goblins are dead, I'm going to roll a morale check. If they fail, they flee. A nine, that's a pass. They will fight to the last. Almander is first, swinging his sword at his remaining foe. That's a six, a big miss. His injuries are taking their toll. Na'vi sees his companion is in pain and rushes to his aid, swinging his warhammer at the goblin. He hits with a 15 for 5 points of damage, which crushes the goblin's arm. The goblin in desperation makes a futile lunge at Elmanda. With a 3, it misses. Kilia rolls a 15. She plunges her knife into this goblin, ending its misery. The combat is almost over. Meanwhile, Mara is still struggling with the prisoner's ropes. Round 6. The sniper goblin realises his only hope is to escape. It dashes past Elmanda, who gets a free hit. With a last mighty swipe, he rolls a 23, skewering the goblin. The fight has ended. I'm going to see if there's anything of value in the goblin's hideout. I'll increase the chaos rank as the party are not in full control of the situation. Is there any treasure here? 68. That's a no. Do any of the goblins have anything of use? Zero, 01. That's an extreme yes. We shall find out what it is shortly. After the last goblin fell, Elmanda sank to his knees, breathing heavily. That little creep got me in the leg, he muttered. He looked up at Killia and Na'vi. Thanks for the help, he said. Not bad for a shortling and a little sewer girl. Na'vi helped him stand and they limped over to the prisoner. Mara had just succeeded in untying his ropes. The man sat up, massaging his wrists. 
I must thank you, he said. I have been tied up for days. These vile creatures kept me prisoner. I... I speak a little goblin, and it sounded like I was to be presented to one of their chiefs as an offering. I think his warband may even now be on its way, so he must get out of here quickly. Easier said than done, said Almanda. I'm not running anywhere for a while. What's your name, anyway? I think you owe us that, at least. Of course, stranger. My name is Elwyn. I'm a herbalist. Narvi looked up sharply. If that is so, then you are the very person we are looking for. We were sent by Nella of the Saint Nauga. Elwyn smiled. Excellent. Then yes, the grey fellows have come through for me. We have been sent to take you back as soon as possible. Unfortunately, it's not that simple. I have been involved in an important mission. I need to complete it as a matter of urgency. And you fine people may be able to help me. Elmanda grimaced. No chance. I'm not in a condition to go gallivanting off on a fool's errand. I can deal with that, Erwin waved dismissively. I'm a herbalist, as I say. I can have you as good as new in a couple of hours. This is important. The goblins are not acting alone. They are in league with another group of humans. Humans working with goblins, said Armanda. Bullshit. I'm afraid it's true. They have set up a nest somewhere near Hollow Hill. That's what I came to investigate. Villagers have been going missing. Perhaps a dozen. I have not been able to trace them. All I know is that they have been coming and going from some secret location. Hunting down unsuspecting village folk and disappearing like rats. Narvi spoke slowly. I may have the answer, Manling. Many years ago, the Shazenvar dwarves had an outpost in these parts. It was attacked in an ancient war and razed to the ground, but the tunnels underneath may remain. I don't know the exact location, but I know its name. Karamon, which means the castle in the caves. Mara spoke out. Hollow Hill, the name Hollow Hill. The village must be built on top of the old fort. You may be right, child, said Owen. We must try and find out where the entrance is. Maybe then we can find out what has happened to these poor people. Might be able to help with that too. They turned. Kilia had been searching through the corpses. She straightened up triumphantly, holding a folded parchment in her hand. It's a map. Thank you for listening to Stories from the First Watch. This was the first episode proper. It included a number of important milestones. The first time I played as a DM, and as the player characters. We also had the first combat of the game, which I found a little too close for comfort. In this episode, I'd like to once again thank Karis Mariam for her fantastic portrayal of Nella, the landlady of the Saint Anoga. I hope you join the party next time for more stories from the first watch.